welcome to episode 48 of the One Life Podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but just ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Inman, and I'm joined, as always, by co-host of the podcast and lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. And lead pastor. Know, you, didn't have to, you didn't even have to add that. I'm, I'm owning the other. And I'm not going to lie, I have a very special fondness for the subject matter today and just what we'll be talking about and what, what's going on with all this. So I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest today. We have Ross Chapman and Jonathan Betcher of uh, Left Turn Productions in Fort Evansville. And um, if you don't know anything about that, we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and just start out as we're talking about um, a new film that they helped create and are actually hosting screenings for. If you want more information about that, you can go to leftturnproductions.com slash intervene and you can find that right now. But I want to get that out there first. So you can go ahead and pull that up as you're listening today. So Ross, um, first of all, tell us a little bit about you. And tell us a little bit about what Four Evansville is. If no one knows anything about Four Evansville, what would you tell them? Yeah, Four Evansville is a social entrepreneurial organization that started in 2015, officially started in 2018, so 19. Yeah, so we, we kind of operated without an organization for a little while. And we did that because our goal is really cultivating collaboration mm-hmm. within the Church of Evansville and between the church and people in the city. Uh, basically around the things that um, align with God's mission that everyone would care about. Um, So like our topic today would be a really good example of that. Um, So that's kind of the idea was how do we kind of think about the whole church bringing the whole gospel to the whole city? Um, And we want to position for Evansville as a bridge Mm -hmm. or a connecting piece between the church and the city and kind of looking for those common good areas of working together. Um, but not um, exclusively that. We can also focus on things that only maybe churches would care about and how can we pursue those things together. And you got to say, I mean, I have to say, who can think of a cooler job? Outside pastor, of course, but I mean, that's, <laughs> well, a, that's I mean, a really, really cool job to have them, you know. Yeah, I'm glad we're not switching roles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For lots of reasons, I'm sure. That's right. No, that's, that's great. great. No, really, that's a, that's a cool, that's a cool and, thing to do yeah, with your cool. life. And Ross is... Uh, Excellent at it too. Well, a cool so part good. of the story is it's completely made up. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally made up, you know, yeah. just a random guy saying, Hey, I want this to happen. And yeah. what do you think? And prayed a lot about it. This is where we are. And then Jonathan came into the story a year and a half later and was already doing some cool stuff. So it's all worked out yeah, pretty it's been well. Fun. Um, and Jonathan was actually on the podcast just a, two episodes ago, and we yep. have him back again. to continue. We talked a little bit about this film, actually, at the very end of that podcast, and mm-hmm. today we're going to focus on it specifically. But as we talk about Left Turn Productions, can you kind of tell us what Left Turn Productions is and kind of what you guys have already done sure. uh, leading up to the Intervene film? Yeah, so Left Turn Productions is an initiative of For Evansville that's really focused on storytelling, specifically through film. And uh, it really started with the first film that we did two years ago uh, called Left Turn. And um, we called the entire filmmaking initiative Left Turn Productions because we really felt like the story in that first film of just an average guy um, out for his jog, taking a left turn instead of a right turn and finding himself in a completely different world sort of. Um, and being exposed to new issues and uh, new experiences that other people in his community were having. We felt like that story really kind of embodied what we wanted these films to do for the viewer. So um, we, we sort of hope that each of these narratives that we put together present people with an opportunity to uh, have empathy for people in their community that maybe they 
haven't had a lot of interactions with or uh, haven't had the opportunity to sort of step into the experiences and perspective of another person. Wow. Yeah. And I've, I've seen um, all of them up to this point and I think you guys are doing a really good job of that. At least creating conversation is something that, um, you know, we love telling stories here at One Life as well. And we see things like that. It's so encouraging to see all these stories being told about our community because that's ultimately just awesome um, to create conversations, um, even though some of them are hard to watch, um, mm -hmm. but they're needed to watch. Uh, and you guys have actually won two Emmys. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. So, um, He's the, like, on the spot. Yeah, what's the, that like? Most of yeah. us have never done that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jonathan <laughs> has accepted them, so he should yeah. definitely be the one to tell us. What yeah, it's like. that's right. Yeah. I felt, uh, pretty privileged to be able to go to both of those award shows and, and accept those awards. And, uh, yeah, I have to tell you the first time we got nominated for an Emmy, it was kind of like a really surreal experience kind of unbelievable in some ways and then actually being there and accepting the award um was was really cool um and then just a couple of weeks ago my wife and i uh went to this year's emmy awards uh ceremony and accepted a second one and wow. it was uh also very cool so yeah and what, what one, category is it in i mean it, how do they define the category that you're actually winning these things in um the category that both of our films have been in is called short form entertainment so basically any form of uh, short film or entertainment segment that is, you know, not a full length feature yeah. film. Well, and I have to say on that, that one of the things that it, I said, the fondness for the subject is, is not that we're going to be talking about addictions. It wasn't that, but it was that, that we're expressing and we're making an impact through art and well done art. Um, mm -hmm. I remember the first left turn film, we showed that the global leadership summit and the global leadership summit, one of the reasons I like it is because it's very high quality. It's, it's a thing where you're getting the best of the best and the things they put on the screen that you watch are always very good. And so we're watching the left turn film and most people in that room thought it was coming from Chicago. They thought it was a thing that was just part of the Global Leadership Summit. It was that good. And then we started noticing, wait a minute, there, there's, I recognize the streets there. I, and that's, that's down the street from me, that kind of thing. And we recognized that it was actual people in Evansville that had produced something on that level. And I think the Emmy is just kind of, we're not just imagining that. It's kind of like when you think your grandkids are really, really cute and someone <laughs> else comes along from the outside and they say, no, they really are cute. So we, we thought we saw something great and the Emmy just kind of confirms that other people thought it was great as well. So I, I love that part of it, that it's done. It's not only film, but it's doing film very, very well mm -hmm. right out of our own community. Yeah, we have to point out that Jonathan writes the scripts, does a lot of research and tries to really understand the stories of people here in our community. Mm -hmm. And then to kind of be able to give us a glimpse into that. Um, and then Chris Weatherly is the, the guy who's behind the camera and directing things and editing and putting that story on a screen that we can all watch. And it's just, and then there's a lot of other people that have come on yeah. board yeah. and yeah. Yeah, helped would be with it. A lot and, of collaboration. You know, things, it's, just, yeah. it's really cool to see that kind of, just kind of come together. And it's okay to know that Chris Weatherly got his film start at, that's right, right One Life Church. <laughs> that's uh, right. this, we train him up right. and then send him over to win Emmys at another place. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sending excellence out into the world. Exactly. That's, that's right. That's they a get good up to reputation. where they need to go, then they leave, and then they go and you know, win awards. Hey, Chris, good. Chris gave me a lot of experience on a couple films here at One Life, and that's how I got connected and 
why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. So yeah. Mm-hmm. it's, yeah. No, it's yeah, cool. there's no question that he's absolutely national level. And that's, yeah. uh, that's the very, very important thing mm-hmm. about this. It, it's a combination of, of good art well and, and story well told. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say this too about Chris is that uh, he's really good about including people who are kind of up and coming mm-hmm. in right. the different productions that he's a part of. And uh, we really kind of see that as an additional value um, that this whole filmmaking initiative brings to the community is it's creating a space um, that is hopefully raising the bar of creative excellence in our community Mm -hmm. so that in five or 10 years, people won't look at high quality productions like that and say, wow, I'm surprised that that came from Evansville. Um, And, you know, whenever we have a, a bunch of people on set, you know, you have these really experienced, really skilled uh, people doing their craft. But then we also tend to have people who are kind of up and coming who are able to learn uh, from people like Chris Weatherly or, you know, several of these other really seasoned um, trades people um, who have just been doing this for years. And uh, we, we, we see that as a worthy investment as well. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Absolutely, and and the ripple effect of that in the arts uh, is can't be underestimated because the arts are such a key part of developing any community. And we all dream of, uh, you know, uh, building a great city, and 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 that's a key part of it. That's just one of those ingredients that can't go away. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you guys just released Intervene, which is the fourth film. Is that correct? Fourth that's film. Right. Yes. Yep. And um, so tell us a little bit about what Intervene is about, um, and then we'll kind of continue conversation from there. Sure. Um, so Intervene was actually originally going to be a sequel to our foster care film um, because while doing the research for that film, we found that there was a huge overlap between the issue of foster care and the issue of substance abuse and addiction. Um, I think one interview that I did with a, a local uh, social worker who does a lot of work in foster care said that she would say, Uh, you know, more than 90% of foster care cases have substance abuse um, associated with them in some way. Mm -hmm. That might not be the the actual reason that a child is being removed, but it is a factor that plays into whatever that reason is. Um, And so substance abuse was kind of an issue that I think everybody knows is a problem in our community. Um, But we weren't really seeing a lot of places where people were taking a really close look at it. And and maybe that's because it's such a difficult topic to deal with or to think about that um, sort of the natural reaction is to distance yourself from it. And so intervene is, is really an opportunity for people to kind of, take a step into that issue and uh, really be forced to sit in it for about eight minutes and then hopefully have a conversation about what that experience was like for them and, um, you know, what we as a community could do to pay more attention to this issue and um, be more actively involved in in solving it. Oh, and and I'd love to ask some questions then about... um what goes into creating these films? Because I know that you guys, you've, you mentioned this um, uh, when you guys, we pre- you premiered it at the Global Leadership Summit here just a few weeks ago. There's a lot of listening that goes into before you go into writing. Can you talk about the process of what it goes into kind of creating these films? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listening is kind of a 
core value of what we do at Four Evansville. Uh, Ross does a lot of meeting with community leaders. And in fact, his first year in Evansville uh, was just meeting with community leaders and hearing their perspective on the community. Um, so some of the filmmaking process starts with some of that listening that we're just doing organizationally. But then when we decide on a topic for a film, I'll specifically um, begin doing research on mm -hmm. the topic and then um, sit down with people and interview them. Um, usually I kind of come up with a list of what are the perspectives that we want to help shape this film. Um, so with this film specifically, I sat down with um, recovering addicts who you know, we're able to describe what, what it's like to, uh, be struggling with substance abuse. Um, talk about, you know, how were you different when you were using as compared to now? Mm -hmm. Um, and I always really appreciate that part of the filmmaking process because people are so generous with their transparency and sharing their stories, um, that these films really wouldn't happen if it weren't for those conversations and interactions. Uh, but we also had a chance to talk to law enforcement officers and uh, people who run local recovery facilities. Um, and then uh, probably the most one of the most impactful conversations was with the county coroner who oh. talked about what it's like to be walking into a home where a teenager has discovered a parent who's overdosed from drug addiction or you know, what it's like just to be in that home environment that's been shaped by substance abuse and addiction for a long time. And, um, you know, I certainly don't envy uh, his job because right. that's kind of the, that's like the, at, at that point, there's not a lot left to do. Um, but I was kind of impressed by the fact that he was able to find hope in the fact that you know, sometimes they try to connect with some of the family members and direct them towards um, different types of counseling and recovery and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a difficult film to make, a difficult story to write, um, but that's always kind of a formative process for me that I hope is reflected in the film and and kind of leads others in a similar journey of discovery. Well, I just, I'm amazed at the fact that you do it, and I think that's important for everybody to know that when they do watch the film, that that's what's gone into it. This isn't just a thing I've just kind of come up with out of my head. It reflects that. I guess as you go into the, the journey and you were going to think about this topic, I think in any topic, all of us have kind of our basic understanding, basic perceptions before we go on that journey. And so you had that. What what surprised you the most as you were kind of journeying into that? You guys maybe had discussions around your office around that. What did you discover you didn't think you were going to discover? Mm -hmm. I would say one of the things that stuck out to me, and this was more you know, kind of through Jonathan's listening, I'd say on this film I did less listening than I had done on other ones to the specific topic. Um, so one of the things that stuck out to me was just the um, – kind of the increased likelihood of overdose when somebody is in recovery and they've been doing well for a while and they kind of get in an isolated moment or something happens and they, you know, go back to using it and it's just their body's not ready for it and it just is a worse effect. And I think, you know, it's, I think the perception can be, oh, relapse, you know, yeah, you just can't get rid of it. And I think it's just, it's a bigger deal to me now than it was before. Right you know, we started listening and putting the story together. 
Right. And, and so uh, it, your, uh, I guess the basic idea is you didn't expect to, to find that. Is that, is that something pretty prevalent? I mean, is, uh, from my, was, yeah, from my understanding, right. that's prevalent uh, for when an overdose happens. It's, it, it likely could be a story of just they've been sober for a while. In other words, so high percentage of the people that just, uh, you know, the, they die from this stuff yeah. is because they've been off and tried yeah. to get it's off and just you, went back. And Do you know the actual percentage or did yeah, you get I a sense of it? Yeah, I don't recall like what the actual statistics are behind that, but that was kind of like a, a pretty common reason that somebody might overdose is they're not intentionally overdosing. It's... Um, they're just using what they had used before recovery and now their body has like, isn't immune to the drug anymore. And so it has a more powerful effect. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I used to play basketball a lot and now I've taken a sobriety from that. (laughs) If I were to get back out there and do it, I probably would sprain my ankle. Yeah. yeah, If you want to try this, if you're back at your... to do things that my body wasn't ready for. Uh, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Was it the same thing for you, Jonathan? Was there the same kind of surprise, same subject? Yeah. I mean, that, that was definitely surprising. Um, I think another thing to, um, Man, I just lost my thought. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. You have it on a film. Oh, That's I probably going to hear the word. I do, <laughs> I do remember what it was. Um, so this this wasn't necessarily surprising so much as it as it hadn't occurred to me on this topic of relapse. Um, a person who works full time in a recovery facility here locally said to me, uh, "Relapse is part of the human condition." That. Um, whether you're addicted to, uh, you know, some kind of illegal substance or not, you've probably relapsed on something. Yeah. Um, failed, yeah. a, failed on the diet plan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So she talked about how, um, you know, the, the process of recovery or, uh, the experience of relapse is not really that foreign to us as just everyday human beings uh, who maybe haven't struggled with addiction, you've probably, you know, kind of experienced a similar struggle just in a different category. And I thought that was really insightful. And I felt like in general, there was kind of uh, after, after this process of doing these interviews and stuff, I felt like I understood and related to the experience of substance abuse and addiction more than I ever have. You know, that's always been something that's very uh, sort of foreign to me. And after talking with people who have been through it and really kind of hearing their perspective, it was like, you know, there are things in my own life that I struggle to get free from. And there are things in my own life where I feel like I've had like a relapse type of experience. And, uh, and that was helpful t- to me to kind of be able to have more empathy for somebody who's struggling with this particular um, type of addiction. Yeah, and I think as you're saying that, and I think so often those things become real when you start putting faces to them and stories to them, not just hypotheticals of someone that you knew from high school or maybe mm-hmm. a family member. I think everyone probably has family members um, affected by this, especially with the high percentage that I know you mentioned even in the foster care um, system, which is just astounding. I know we talked about that a few weeks ago. And if you haven't listened to that episode, you should go back and listen to that episode as well. Um, cause it all really connects and it, it's so interesting. You guys went from that film to this film. Um, and Ross, I, you guys have, um, done screenings before with, with films in the past. I know that's what you would recommend people to do now. Tell us a little bit of what that would look like. 
Yeah, I mean, it could be any kind of environment that you are a part of. It could be a small group or maybe it's maybe it's appropriate in your workplace. Uh, maybe you're a teacher, you want to, you know, talk about this with some students or what kind of the idea behind all of the screens we're doing is these films should allow people to talk about an issue that might be hard to talk about or maybe they haven't seen all the perspectives and they need a little bit of uh, empathy to come along into the conversation. Um, and so it could be, I mean, it's simple. We just want people to kind of fill out their email and then we'll send them a link to the film and we'll get a discussion guide and kind of a turnkey process of, hey, if you've got the time and place and you can invite people, then we'll help you, you know, make sure it, it you show the film and have some good discussion about it. And our idea is just, you know, to have this exact dialogue, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, just Jonathan's a great example of just, he went through the process of, you know, listening and, you know, just it created empathy in him. You know, you can hear him talking about that. And it's like, that's exactly what we want the screenings to do. And, you know, if you've been paying attention at all and you've lived in Evansville uh, much of your life, you know that we are, we're kind of record breakers in this area. It's, uh, that's just been kind of part of our personality or whatever you want to call it. And I guess through this, and, and, and I hope people will watch the film, but through your learning and through the film, what would you want people from Evansville to know? Like if you just had them all, if everybody in Evansville came to a screening about this topic, what are you really trying to, what are you trying to say to everybody? If I can cut it down to that. Yeah, I think, um, I think probably the most common thread that ran through all of the interviews and research that we did was just the um, prevalent effect of isolation in this topic, um, that the, the people who have a successfully successful recovery experience are those who have a supportive community around them and people who are intentionally connecting with them and walking the recovery journey with them. Um, and people who tend to relapse and not have a successfully successful recovery experience are those who remain isolated. Um, who for, for one reason or another, aren't able to connect with the community in that way. Um, and that, that's on the tail end of addiction and trying to go through the recovery process. It's also true of those who find themselves in, um, addiction that oftentimes it's some form of isolation that leads to that. Um, so it's really one of those issues that kind of is cyclical in its nature mm -hmm. And so I guess just an awareness of that um, among the general public and an awareness that the shame and social stigma that often accompanies substance abuse and addiction is not making that isolation problem uh, any better. Um, you know, we tend to take a very individualistic approach to topics like substance abuse and addiction, um, meaning that we see it as an issue that's the result of someone's individual choices, um, which is not untrue. But whenever we solely think of it in that category, we fail to see the ways that this issue is plaguing our community as a whole. And that even if you're not the person who's made those individual choices, um, that you are being affected by the choices of other people and that you would do better if people who are struggling with addiction, we're doing better uh, because our community is, is all connected and people, uh, people struggling with substance abuse and addiction is going to have an effect 
on our overall community and it is going to have an effect on you, even if it's minor and indirect. So I guess I would just want people to kind of have more empathy for those who are struggling with substance abuse and addiction and to think about how can I be uh, gracious towards people who are struggling with that particular thing in the same way that I hope people will be gracious towards me with the things that I'm struggling with. And how can I uh, not distance myself from those people, but rather draw close to them and help be part of that supportive community that's intentionally reaching out to them, walking this journey with them, uh, connecting with them in a meaningful way um, that helps to alleviate that urge to use. Did you, yeah. in your journey, did you see pockets where that is happening and, and you were encouraged by? Yes, actually, that's like the that's like the one little glimmering piece of hope in this <laughs> whole uh, filmmaking journey for me has been uh, hearing from people who are part of like recovery groups that are really strong. And it's, uh, you know, the word that they use over and over again is it's like my family. You know, like oh, those excellent. communities yeah. have have become like so close because there's there's sort of a recognition, a mutual recognition in those communities that um, this could be like a life or death thing for some of the members of the community. Like we really do need each other and we need the support of each other and people who are bought into the recovery process just have that awareness that like, if I want to stay free from this addiction, I need constant support from other people. And it's a, it's a mutual thing. It's not, uh, I'm a victim who needs help from somebody else. It's I'm both the, uh, person in need of help and also the person giving support and help. So it's really a pretty beautiful, uh, picture of, kind of what the church ought to be for each other mm -hmm. because uh, we all have ways that we need to be supporting one another and be supported by one another. Um, so it was yeah. cool, well, cool to hear those stories. That brings up, you know, when I'm thinking of our films, we intentionally create them in a way that they could be shared in a non-faith environment. Right. Um, you know, there's nothing in there that talks about Jesus specifically or the gospel and and even appealing to, you know, somebody's self-interest in that moment of, hey, this is going to affect our community. It's going to affect you eventually. You should you should care. You should have empathy about this. That's one way to, to get people talking about it. The other one is to think of a gospel lens. Um, and really all of our films are about who, who's my neighbor and what does it look like to become a neighbor to them. Um, so if you think of the Good Samaritan, you know, somebody who's you know, struggling with a substance abuse or addiction or whatever topic we might be covering, it's that idea of that person needs someone to become their neighbor. And, you know, kind of the first step is, do you have empathy? Do you understand that story? Are you able to enter into it because of that? You know, which is obviously a great example of what Jesus does for us. And, you know, it's how do we live that out? Yeah. Um, but it's trying to kind of paint the picture a little differently of who is my neighbor? You know, how do I think of that person as my neighbor? Yeah. And do I have the opportunity that maybe I'm, you know, not aware of yet. And one lifers have heard me use this analogy more than once because I just loved it because it's something you brought up just a while ago that um, it, was, it was Henry Cloud that he's a psychiatrist and theologian. He said he was talking about recovery and he said that that the reason that these 12 step programs work is because the community component. They know that. That's like a scientific thing. Mm -hmm. And so and he said because and he did say the church is supposed to be that because your place at the table in an addiction environment 
is your weakness. That's why you're there. And so it doesn't matter if you're uh, the president of the biggest company in the world or you slept in your car last night, you're both at the table because your weakness placed you there. And that mm-hmm. way everybody's vulnerable. And he said, when a church, when a church functions like that, it's always healthy because we're all here by out of our weakness. But when churches become based on merit and, right. and just the opposite, uh, and you're, you know, it, that it changes over and it becomes unhealthy. Yeah. And I never forgot that there was something about, so every time I hear you talk about that, cause that's exactly what's going on. They talk about family. Well, church is supposed to be family and, and we need to offer that to everybody. And the church is supposed to represent kind of this place where you can come in all your weakness and all your garbage and everything else, because, well, we all have it too. So let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. That's another, uh, one of the reasons that I've, I'm glad we're able to premiere the films at GLS is one of the key all time takeaways for me from GLS was this idea that if you're, if you have enough humility, you can learn from anybody. And, uh, these films have always been like a really significant learning experience for me. Um, and I, you know, I think of this idea of kind of the social stigma around some of these different issues that we've addressed in the films and that people can, Uh, struggle with in our community. And I think we're really kind of missing out on an opportunity to learn from people in those environments whenever we take sort of that self-righteous approach uh, rather than recognizing that, oh, these people who are recovering from this um, are actually a really good picture for the church to learn from (laughs) in terms of how we ought to be operating. That's awesome. And and so I'm I'm a very much a visual person. And so seeing films always helps me just create um, scenarios in my mind when I do hear that instead of just automatically thinking, like you said, and you like we always have these thoughts of like, what's well, the choice that they made or things like that. But it's now it's because your film does such a great job of showing isolation in two points from um, the teenage son's perspective, but also the person in this cycle as well. And so it's just there's definitely more to it, um, especially after mm-hmm. the last screening I went to um, for um, the foster care film and and having someone sitting there having being advocates for parents uh, was there. It was such a great just flip for me to even hear them being very passionate about what they were saying as well. So there's always the, multiple sides. I think you guys did a really great job showing both sides of that in this film as well. It's a really great film. The film's called Intervene. Um, you can um, set up to host a screening, which I highly suggest you guys do. Um, whether that's, um, as Ross said, maybe it's a, a group that you guys meet together or maybe it's in your workplace or um, maybe it's um, at um, an organization that you're a part of. You can go to leftturnproductions.com slash intervene, find out information there, um, connect with these guys. We'll make sure you guys get the link and the information as well. Thank you guys so much for creating these films. Um, as someone who loves seeing storytellers do what they do well, you guys are doing a great job and really happy that it's happening right here in our city. It's great to be to be able to talk to you guys and hear more about it. So thank you guys so much for, for um, coming on and talking more about it. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Um, Brett, anything coming up that you want to highlight anyone from the podcast? Anyone from the podcast? I'm sorry, okay. listening <laughs> to the podcast. I don't know. What am I highlighting? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm having a good dinner tonight. You uh, are? This is, yeah, I can't wait. Um, I wasn't invited. Uh, is, <laughs> apparently not, yeah. Um, this was coming up. We are, I, I keep talking about how we're in a transition moment in our church where we are uh, really researching and, and uh, intentionally raising up the next generation and understanding who they are and what they're about and how we can respond well to that in a whole different world where there's everything from addiction problems to depression and suicide side issues and mass shootings and all these different things going on. We're trying to think through those things and we're going to be praying more about that. Uh, and then we are coming up on our centered series that will 
kind of encapsulate a lot of that on October 20th. So I'm just going to keep reminding everybody because we want everybody to participate on deep levels that they never had before. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. That's what's coming. You're welcome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Podcast. If you heard anything that you want other people to know, we totally love it if you share that out on social media and let other people hear it as well. My name's Sarah, and I produced this episode, and our music was produced by Micah Robertson and Ben Brock. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you get an alert anytime there's a new episode. If you ever want to contact us at the podcast, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.